From Murphy to Mantio, extraordinary athletes, coaches, administrators, and contributors have impacted the North Carolina sports landscape. For some, their talents left an indelible mark. So much so, they are enshrined in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. It's time to chat with one of those Hall of Famers who dared to be as tall and stately as our Longleaf Pines. Here is your host of 15 Minutes of Fame, Chris Edwards. Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. I'm Chris Edwards. On the podcast we visit this week with a 2011 North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer, Ricky Prohl. We talked to Ricky about what it was like growing up in New Jersey and where his love for football began. We also discussed why he decided to attend Wake Forest for his college career and then what the transition was like from college to the NFL. We talk about his NFL journey that included stops with the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Bears, the Rams, the Panthers, and the Colts. As, long, as well as what it's like to play in the biggest game, the Super Bowl, and shining on those big moments. Ricky also got to the Super Bowl as a coach. We talk about that and what it's like as a parent to watch your kids play high-level college football in the Old North State. All that and more coming up this week with the 2011 North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer, Ricky Prohl. Ricky, thanks so much for the time, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. Let me start at the beginning with you. You were born in New York, grew up in Hillsborough, New Jersey. Tell me about growing up and, and where your love for football started to develop. Well, like you said, I, I grew up in Hillsborough, New Jersey. My dad uh, got me involved in sports at an early age, uh, rooting for the Yankees and the Giants. When the Giants moved to New Jersey in the Meadowlands, I grew up in a neighborhood where we had probably 15 to 20 kids. And whatever season it was, that's what we did. We were playing baseball. We played football, um, basketball, wiffle ball, you name it, we did it. I I was blessed to grow up in a neighborhood where sports was a priority and all the kids in the neighborhood loved to compete. And and that's where it really, that's where it started. For you, when did you realize that football was it and that you had the talent to maybe play football at a higher level because you went on obviously to play at Wake Forest? When I realized baseball, I couldn't hit the curveball. (laughs) Um, but I just, uh, you know, it's, it's a good question, Chris, because I mean, that, that definitely had something to do because I love baseball too, but football, I felt like I was better. I felt like I, I, that was my my first love. Um, but I was small. I was a late bloomer. Like, you know, I was decent pop Warner. I was really good, broke all kinds of records. And then everybody started growing and I didn't, you know, my freshman year, I was probably five, one hundred five pounds. And then my sophomore year is maybe 120. I started growing, you know, gaining about 20 pounds a year and maybe an inch or two. And then my junior year, I finally started growing. I was probably, um, five, seven, you know, 150 pounds. And, and I, uh, I moved from running back. I loved Walter Payton growing up. So I wanted to be a running back and I was a running back in high school, but I didn't get a whole lot of playing time. And a guy got hurt at receiver, and I moved to receiver, and I had a great game. I had two long touchdowns. Um, I played cornerback. I had two interceptions that game. So um, that's when my love affair started with the wide receiver position. And then they moved me to receiver my senior year, and I exploded. You know, All-state first team. Um, I grew a little bit. I was still only 5'10". I was still growing in college. I grew two inches in college as well. But that's where um, I started to realize I think I'm pretty good maybe I have a chance to play after high school. And, um, but it still thought I was playing at D three. I was getting recruited by a lot of Montclair, um, East Stroudsburg, a lot of smaller schools up in the Pennsylvania, um, area and, and Northern New Jersey. 
When did Wake Forest enter the picture and why Wake Forest? Was it because it was a D1 school in the ACC? Yes. So Wake Forest came around Thanksgiving my senior year. So it was late. Never heard of Wake Forest. Didn't know. You know, it's not like it is today with the TV and all that. Everybody is on TV and the ACC affiliates. I never, you know, I grew up Rutgers. Penn State was on TV. I, I you know, watching the Penn State shows and Joe Paterno show. Um, so I, I didn't know much about Wake. Uh, and the guy uh, who was my recruiter, Pete Watson, just a super guy. Um, really um, gravitated to him. And then West Virginia came late. And um, West Virginia had unbelievable program, amazing facilities. But when I went down on my visit to Wake, Al Groh was the head coach, and he brought me in his office and said, this is how I'm going to use you. We use a pro-style offense. You know, um, you fit right in, and, and this is what we do offensively. They threw the ball. And he knew exactly how I fit into the Wake Forest program. When I took my visit to West Virginia and Don Nealon, when I walked into his office, he had to look down at his clipboard to see who I was. And that just right there just resonated with me. Like this guy doesn't even, this is a big time college school, big time program, but he doesn't even know who I am, you know? And so, you know, Wake Forest was, um, for me, it made the decision easy. This is where I'm going. I, you know, hopefully be a big fish in a small pond and I'm going to be able to compete against, you know, are they a great football program at that time? No. Um, but I'm going to get to compete in the ACC against Clemson, Carolina, NC State, you know, some of these big time programs. And if I'm good enough, I'll be able to showcase my talents against those those schools in this conference. Let me jump ahead a little bit because we only have 15 minutes together. Drafted in the third round of the 90 draft by the Cardinals. Quite a few years when you started your career for the Cardinals. What was the transition like playing in the ACC and then jumping to play against the best of the best in the NFL? It was to, to me, Chris, it was more mental than it was physical. The jump from high school to pros for me was, was a bigger jump physical because you're dominating high school. You can run away from kids almost jogging or going three quarter speed. You get into college and everybody can run and people are very athletic. The pros, it's the same thing. Now it's another step, but it's everything. Like these guys in the pros home in on their craft where they're studying film. They're, you know, they're, they're perfecting their skill where they're not just great athletes. They're great at what they do. They're, whether it's backpedal, getting in and out of backpedal. For me, it was route running, getting in and out of a, a route and, and understanding what the defense is trying to do, what coverages they're playing. And if you can understand that mentally, you're going to have success early. If you don't, it's going to take you a, a while um, because eventually um, your athleticism isn't going, to, isn't going to transfer over to success. you got to have the whole package. You played for St. Louis for, or for the uh, Cardinals, but when you started your career, then played for Seattle, Chicago a little bit, then signed with the Rams before that 98 season. We know now in hindsight how good that team was in 98 with another North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer and Torrey Holt that was on that team too. As you were weighing where to sign, where to go, did you think the Rams could be that good in that 98 season? No, no. Um, the 98 season or the 99 season? You so either one, 98, 99, just that. 98, we were, 98, we were terrible. And this, this is a funny story. So my, the guy who drafted me was in St. Louis, Jerry Rome. He was our offense coordinator in 98. And that quarterback was Tony Banks. Well, Arizona wanted me back, and they had Jake Plummer. And I was like, God, I would love to go back to Arizona. I know the people there. I have a lot of you know friends there. 
We lived there for five years. They're a playoff. They're on the cusp of being a playoff team. And I love, I would love to play with Jake Plummer. And I'm, and, and I told Jerry, I called Jerry and I said, Jerry, sell me on Tony Banks, you know? And he said, well, Tony's an up and coming, but you know, we've got a lot of young talent, but it was really the, the long story short, that what really sold me was Dick Vermeil. I grew up in New Jersey, watched him in Philadelphia, watched the relationship he had with his players. And when I went on a visit there and met him and saw, you know, it, it was a no brainer. I mean, I, uh, the opportunity to play for a hall of fame coach and Dick Vermeil was just, um, I couldn't pass it up and I, and I'm glad I didn't. And the Cardinals went to the playoffs in 98. We were four and 12 in 98. Um, but then, like you said, bringing Tory in, drafting Tory and Dre Bly, a lot of bunch of ACC guys brought in Ray Agnew from NC state. Um, so glad I didn't pass up on it. Cause you talk about a great football team with a great group of guys and a great head football coach was just an experience. I can't even tell you in 15 minutes. You know, we talked a second ago about the recruiting visit to Wake Forest, and then you talk a second ago about the visit to St. Louis and Coach Vermeil. It, it seems to me, listening to you talk, Ricky, that relationships are really important to you. I, I, it's it's the fabric of who I am. I mean, to me, it's everything. I've I've taught my kids growing up. It's life is about relationships, and it's it's about you know. I think uh, you know. I look at Bill Dooley was an amazing man in my life. Just taught me how to do things the right way. And, and Dick was no different. Um, Tony Dungy was an amazing man. Um, and, and I think when, when you come across people like that, you can't help but be a better person and understand that what gets you in life and success is not the money, not what you, it, it's the relationships you make and it's the people you meet and the experiences you have. And, and, and um, it's no different here at Prolific Park. And that, that's what I instill in, in my employees and, and the relationships with our members and people that come through these doors. And it's an experience. And, and um, it is it, those people were so special. Um, Bill Dooley, Coach Vermeil, Tori Holtz, Isaac Bruce, Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner um, and go on and on. But that's what made my career special um, was doing something that I love doing, but doing it with people that I love doing it with. Let me circle back onto the field for a second. You had so many great moments, especially in the playoffs, as you're making some runs to the Super Bowl with the Rams, with the Colts, with the Panthers. Take us inside what it's like to be in those environments, in a, a championship game, in the Super Bowl, played in those games, and then having a big catch to help your team, and in some cases, propel them to a victory. Well, I think, Chris, I think the biggest thing is, for me, it was a blessing because I played on some awful teams um, in the 10 years prior to that 99 season. And I think the one thing you learn a lot about yourself that you're either going to fall by the wayside or you're going to work harder. And what can I do to get better as, as a player, as a person, as a teammate. And I learned a tremendous amount for those 10 years. And, and it was dreamed about being on a playoff team, just want to be a part of something special. And, and uh, so when I'll never forget when we made it to the playoffs, everybody says, Hey, crank it up. Cause it's different. And I said, what do you mean? It's different. I said, it's faster. I said, I can't get any faster. I can't play any faster, but the game, what happens is it's more intense for 60 minutes. It's, you know, a lot of times games start fast and it kind of fizzles out, but people, you know, when the game's over, but the playoffs is different, it's a different mentality, but I had prepared myself for that moment for wanting to be in, in, in the playoffs, in the end of the game, um, you know, just, because of what my prior career looked like. Um, 
And to be in the playoffs, the adrenaline rush, the, the intensity, the, um, the magnitude of each game, one or, you know, win or go home. It's uh, one or done. And it, it, was, uh, it was truly amazing. And then to be involved and, and make the catch in the championship game to get your team into the Super Bowl was just um, so rewarding. All the years of playing on those losing teams, but working through it and, and working for a common goal that season and going from worst to first uh, was an amazing experience. It, it was unreal. Uh, and then again, to play in the Super Bowls as well, you feel like you're, you're two, three feet off the ground. Even when I was playing at 38 years old with the Colts, it's just the adrenaline rush is, is indescribable. Tell me how different it was getting to the Super Bowl all those times with the player versus how it was when you got there with the Panthers as a coach in Super Bowl 50. It is um, – it's definitely different because you, you're not playing. It's so much better to play in it. Um, coaching, it's it's exciting. You're excited for your players um, because you know the work they put in, and it's so hard to get there. Um, you want them to win so bad because winning two and losing two, you remember the losses way more than you remember those wins because you were so close, and if could have done this on this play or if we could have made that play, in the third quarter, it's you never forget those moments. And, and I think wanting it so bad for your players to win because every NFL guy that plays for a while, that works, that puts the work in, they deserve to play in a Super Bowl. They deserve to win it, to feel what it feels like to win because it's so hard. And, and um, so that's what I think it's different because you have no control. Um, but for me, I felt as a coach, I could add so much on your preparation into the game, into warm-ups before the game, like, hey, relax. You can get so excited in pregame warm-ups and you, you know, lose all your energy in warm-ups and have nothing left for the game or nothing left for the third and fourth quarter. So it's preparing those guys, hey, I've been here. This is what you need to do. You know, um, get an RV, whether it's halftime or an IV, whether it's before the game or at halftime, but don't don't explode and utilize all your energy in pregame warmups, man. Control your energy, control your warmup and how you run in routes and stuff prior to the game. So that that part of it was fun to to add to that. And then um and then when it's game time, it doesn't matter where you're a player coach. It's just when the lights come on, man, it's it's a most amazing experience. The the uh it, it's unreal, the electricity in the building. Both of your sons, Ricky, play college football, Austin and North Carolina, Blake at East Carolina. As a dad, watching your, your kids play at a high level like that, how much pride did that give you? Unbelievable. I'm um, just proud of both of them. Um, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, I don't know how my parents did. It just gave me a whole new appreciation for my wife, for my my parents. Like I literally would say to them, how did you do it? Like when the, when you're watching the Super Bowl and the ball's in the air and you know, it's going to me, did you not like, I like when Austin, the ball was in the air to Blake or Austin during the game, I'm like, Oh my God, catch it, please catch it, please catch it. And then when they're catching punts too, you're scared to death because you know how dangerous it is. And then you know how hard it is. And then, you know, if you drop it, the ramifications, there's, I was young and dumb when I was playing, you know, you just, when you're playing, you control everything. You don't think about the negatives. When you're done playing, you think you look back on your career and you're like, Oh my God, how did I go through 17 years 
I was never, never had surgery, didn't get hurt. Um, you know, both my kids had surgeries, knees, shoulders, and I just look back and, and you just know how hard it is to play this game, um, how hard it is to stay healthy playing this game. And for me, I, I, you know, I was blessed to play for 17 years and never had any serious injuries. And to play in four Super Bowls and and to have success. And then so it was hard as a parent, you know, after you're done, you look at how blessed I was and, and to avoid those things and then to play as long as I did, um, you know, and not to drop those balls in the Super Bowl or the championship game. I'm like, what if I would have dropped that pass? Like you go from, you know, the goat, so to speak, to like, you know, like everybody's looking at you booing that, you know, and especially in today's social media stuff. So it it was it was um, it was really so much harder as a parent, but I am so proud of both my my boys, the success they had in college, and then even to get an opportunity with the Vikings. And Austin bounced around a little bit, but and then got the chance to coach him in the XFL. It's just tremendous amount of pride and, and, and proud of both of them. Let's go this thought, and this is kind of how I like to end all of these. You've been obviously so successful on and off the field. For someone listening to this podcast that's looking for steps to be successful in whatever avenue of life they're in, what are your keys to being a successful person in general? It's easy. It's easy. Surround yourself with good people, great people. You know, I, I tell people all the time, it started for me where I really realized it was Dick Vermeil and the Rams. Um, obviously Bill Dooley was a huge mentor. I don't want to sell him, but because he's, it started probably with Bill, but then Dick, it was another level where the people they brought in the Ray Agnews, the Orlando Paces, the Tory Holtz, Dre Bly, Kurt Warner. I tell people when, when I was in the huddle and I looked to my left and there's Tory Holt, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace, Isaac Bruce, Isaac Keen. These guys were not just great football players, but great people. You can't help but get better. And when you surround yourself with good, it brings your level up. It brings your game up. It brings um, the love of people. When it, when people are not jealous, they don't, and they think about team first and not just themselves. Um, it had a long lasting effect on me. And, and so, what I do, prolific park is everything I learned playing sports. It, it's just be a team player, be happy for other people, want people to be successful, and in turn, you'll have success. And and Surround yourself with people that are smarter. We, we all have weaknesses. Bring in people that are smarter than you at different aspects of your life and that can help you become a better person. And, and I've always said this, don't chase the money, chase the passion, chase what you love doing that you want to get up and get better at every day. And um, all that other stuff will come. Ricky, this is awesome. Thanks for your time. And thanks for all that you do for the Hall of Fame. Chris, thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Go ACC. Thanks to Ricky for his time on the podcast this week, and thanks to you for joining us on 15 Minutes of Fame. If you would like to contribute to the educational efforts of the Hall, please consider a donation. You can visit our website at ncshof.org, and you'll easily find the Donate button. Also, if you'd like to receive our electronic newsletter, please send us your email. Our address is info at ncsportshalloffame.org. For the entire team at the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame, I'm Chris Edwards. Thanks for joining us this week on 15 Minutes of Fame.